0: Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart, and I'm Simon. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is simply us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. So, Simon, we were thinking about subjects for this conversation, and we were thinking about property terms. Indeed, um,
1: and I thought we should we should just have a chat through a nice long list of uh, acronyms and uh, and try and explain them. Lovely, but uh, but you suggested perhaps uh, perhaps we should start with. With what you can do with a property, and I, I think that's a, a great, great approach. So, um,
0: so there you go. There's, there's a property on the market. <laughs> what, what, what are you going to do with it, Stuart? Well, I think we were just, well, certainly from my side, was thinking about what are the options for property. If we're thinking about the highest level, before understanding lots about property, I guess the, the thought was, you just buy a property. That's the only option. We, either, we just buy a property and we live in a property. That's your first thought, isn't it? Yep, that's the simple one. <laughs> <laughs> and I was speaking with someone recently who said that, um, you know, quite, and he's, you know, done a lot in property in the last few years. And he said, you know, I feel really naive that I thought I could only buy one property at a time, i.e., I had to buy a property. And then if I was going to buy another one, I'd have to sell that and buy, no. which I think is a really, it was a really sort of humble thing for him to say. But he's a reminder that just because we know stuff doesn't mean everyone understands it. So, Simple terms, what can we do? Well, we, we can buy a property. We can buy a property to sell, yep. or f- we like to call that flipping, if we're going to do it in the short term. Yep. We can also have an option over a property, which without getting into the details on this uh, conversation, is essentially getting right to that property without buying the property.
1: Yep. So th- there, there are lots of complicated um, structures for that, that that can be used. Uh, but there's a, a quite a, a common one um which is rent to rent yep um often abbreviated as as R2R um and, and that one probably is worth a, a bit of a mention because that, that yep. does come up quite often um and this is actually something you you've started looking at isn't it sure so perhaps uh, perhaps you should give us a little intro to rent to rent
0: well i have started looking at it uh, exploring it at the very least anyway i think i think a good story is i, I went to see a property yesterday in the local area And rent-to-rent is the modern name, I guess, for subletting. And the reason I say that is because I went to see a gentleman yesterday and essentially his house has been trashed. It's one of those, fortunately, fairly rare stories you hear. Had some tenants in, stopped paying the bills almost a year ago, couldn't get into the property Long story short, turns out the tenant, so he thought it was just a tenant in his family residence, yep. was subletting the property room by room to mm-hmm. other people. Turns out those other people, well, actually we don't know. It could just be that he was taking the, the money himself and, and, and whatever. But anyway, coming, bringing back to the point of rent to rent, it is essentially you can rent a property from someone provided... They are the legal owner of that property, and I, I make pains to say that because that's something I always ask. Um, and if I were to progress with something, I'd make sure that I could see documentation that, that said they were the legal owner. Again, i probably going into more detail than is necessary in this conversation, but um, <laughs> you, you essentially rent a property. You could rent a residential property, and then you could rent it by the room. So yeah. you, don't, you don't own the property. You're not providing a deposit for that property, depending on what your agreement is.
1: Yeah. Uh, so sort of continuing the, the what you do with the property, I think there's there's a couple of um, popular scenarios for rent to rent. you say well, one is you rent the whole house, the whole property, and then you split it up and rent it as as individual rooms, so an HMO, a house of multiple occupation. Um, but the other one is you you rent a property as a whole um, for a, a fixed monthly rent to that original landlord, um, but then you you re. Let it as a service accommodation or SA um, offering.
0: You're just trying to tick off as many of the acronyms <laughs> as you possibly can and beat me to it, which you've done. And I'm really annoyed that you've got the bingo line already. You've done R2R, SA, and HMO in a line. Yeah, but
1: I think that's less than halfway through our list. So <laughs> it's OK. You've got time to
0: catch up. <laughs>
1: um, so uh, I've lost my way now. If we're not going to uh, rent a house, we are actually going to, to buy a house. So what, what can we do with it once we've bought a house? Uh, you mentioned one option already, which is to, to sell it on again, to flip it. So typically that would be you, you buy a property, improve it in some way, um, and then put it back on the market to sell again. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes, um, uh, I'm going to take another one off the list, uh, you might might get a, a property below market value or BMV. Um, sometimes perhaps if you, you find an off-market um Property or something like that, yep. or a, a very motivated seller, um, and and you can potentially buy a property, do nothing to it, and put it back on the market, and uh, and potentially make a profit. I think yeah, I think such deals are, are very very rare, but um, but it's possible.
0: I would agree. I would agree. They are rare. So it's either you're buying, well, without getting into this debate, but below market value. If I were to be pedantic, if you're buying at a price that could be determined as the market value. Oh, I'm if, glad you brought this up, yep. <laughs> if we wanted to go down that rate, as someone that is a pedant, you know, I, I sometimes question that. However, I do understand it because if we're on... I still call them b by the way, so I would agree. But in our heads, if a property is worth 200K and we think we can get it for 180K... now. True B and V may well be that the property is worth 200k, but that that vendor, that the owner of the property, is in need. You've 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 stated motivated sellers, and given we're sort of doing a glossary, I think just to be clear, motivated seller is someone that needs to sell a property quick for a given reason, whether that's probate, divorce, emigration. Just needs the cash. Needs yep. the cash quickly. And, and I've been in that situation myself and actually you're grateful. So the, the, there is true BMV in my mind is, is probably something more around that. Yes, I agree completely.
1: Yeah. And so when you're talking about uh, buying to then refurb or improve in some way before you then sell on, um, I think that that's much harder to, to justify the, mm. the BMV label um, because you're it, it's a reduced price for a reason because mm. it needs the improvement um so yeah i think motivator seller is really the the only or the main likely scenario of finding actual bmv property yeah
0: i'm sure you've seen it as well i've i've had a number of property deals pushed under my nose or in my email inbox where someone's talking about the great value in the property but what i've actually seen is is them forcing the value so you know with a property if a property sourcer came to me and says here's a property it's great we, we've got it for hundred ninety and all you need to do and this is this is an actual example all you need to do is just build a two-story extension go into the loft and it'll be worth 250 I'm like okay so I need to spend about fifty thousand. You're saying and have lots of experience to be able to do that, and be able to have the confidence to do that, which which we could with the right teams. And then I look on right move, and it's and it's up for two hundred. And then I think, well, I'm pretty confident that I can phone an estate agent, view a property, and get you know five to ten percent knocked off the asking. Because guess what? Yep. Estate agents put five to ten percent on what they might think the property worth. Mm-hmm. Who knew? So for me, sometimes things get presented as, as good deals. And again, sources want money. So so BMV, the point we're making there is, is below market value is a genuine. Like, what is the actual marketable value of that, pro- the real purchase price? And a property that's on the market for 150 that's worth 200 if it's in a really poor condition, if you've looked at comparables, 150 is the market value. It's not 200 Yep, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the bit that frustrates me sometimes. And again, it's just a case of education. Is people will put something, say, oh, "I've got a B and V property that's twenty, you know, the twenty percent below asking price." And you go, "Yes, but then I have to spend that gap to get it to that market value. That's not BNV. V. That's yeah, exactly. That's yeah. market value.
1: Yep, indeed. So it's a uh, it's a term that gets thrown around a lot, but is mm. uh, I think often a bit misleading. Yeah. So uh, let, let's try and move on to some terms that are, are less misleading. Um, so, if we're not going to buy a property to uh, to flip it on and resell it, what else might we do with the property once we bought it? Well, buy and hold. So we're going to
0: a standard buy to let (BTL). Have we mentioned that one? No, I don't think we've mentioned the acronym. Got one. Like five, <laughs> well <done>. five one. <laughs> do, you, do you want
1: to go for the next one as well? The most common form of uh, of buy to let. Single let. Yeah, that's uh, that's the, the simple approach, isn't it? So you yeah. you buy a whole house and you you rent out a whole house, or buy yeah. a whole flat and rent out a whole flat. Yeah, and um, that's uh, yeah referred to as a single
0: let. Yeah, and often referred to as well as vanilla buy to lets, just very straightforward single lets. Something I envy those that do. You do night. that yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go complaining. <laughs>
1: um but the uh, but the majority of what you do is uh, is another one which you have mentioned briefly
0: but um H- you want to mention again HMO indeed yeah so house of multiple occupation depending on the council it's it could be well the rules have changed slightly but generally you know five or more people from uh, different households living in the same property yeah i think i think the strict definition of HMO is
1: three or more three or more um but uh but then five or more is licensable
0: yeah, yeah, that's what so, I'm thinking of the license. Yeah.
1: yeah so that, that's, there's. Good shout. And, and you're right that some councils have tweaks around these definitions just to, just to help keep us
0: confused. Yeah. Because Crawley's licensing is, is five and above, isn't it? Which is still quite high.
1: Five people and above. Yeah. 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 Well, that, that's the, that's the national licensing. Mm. Um. i sure
0: in Plymouth it's three
1: yeah well in, in Plymouth it's extra complicated because you've got planning permission concerns as well there. Article 4 that's, yeah.
0: um, that's another story isn't it yep indeed that one—that
1: one's not even on our list <laughs> <laughs> not for today anyway. Definitely not so uh, we've, we've bought a property we've decided we're going to hold on to it and, uh, and rent it out in some way shape or form so we've got single let where we let the whole thing we've got HMO where we split it up by the room Um uh, another mention or another approach which we've always mentioned very briefly um, is service accommodation uh, so, holiday lets yep do you want to give us a, a definition of, of those
0: Stuart so very simple very short term lets so rather than renting a property for let's say six months or above you're renting by the night um, so yeah typically when you look at properties on Airbnb or booking.com or any other sort of platform like that, that's what we're, talk- we're thinking about when we talk about serviced accommodation where people can come and stay in that property for one night, two nights. I think maximum number's 30 nights or something. There's nothing greater than that. And why do people do that? Because you could take a small property like a flat that maybe gets, let's say, a £1,000 a month with it if you were to have it as a standard vanilla let that we've just talked about, single let. But by the night, if you're... Renting that for, say, £50 a night, it you know, might go up to £1,500 a month. Um, let's not go into the costs attached to doing that. But in, in simple terms, that's why people might look at that as well, depending on the property location.
1: Yeah, indeed. I think, um, again, depending on the location, uh, that kind of, of letting can either appeal to, to holiday and uh, or holiday makers, should I say, um, or to business people as corporate, well. Corporate, yep. um, yeah. For corporate lets and and people who are, or businesses who are bringing in staff temporarily or short-terms. Yep. Yeah, very popular at the moment. Yep. Um, so I think they're the sort of core approaches, aren't they? Yeah. Um, we've got some other other terms that we thought we might try and define around these. Uh, so one that, that I see come up um, a number of times is, is buy, refurbish and refinance, um, or BRR. Um, it could also sometimes be referred to as buy, refurbish and rent, um, but... Uh, depending on sort of your, your approach. So this is, this is a very common form of uh, of rental, um, or yeah. a very common form of the rental setup process, isn't it? Yeah, I think
0: I'd, I'd say it's a standard model, yeah.
1: Yeah, so you you buy a house that's a little bit cheaper because um, it needs improving. You do those improvements and then you, you hold on to it and, and rent it out. Um, and along that, that path, you may also be able to refinance it to, to get a little bit of, uh, your initial investment out of it again, yeah. As we shared recently, yep. yeah, that,
0: yeah, that's one of the aims because we we want to take our money out and reuse that money. You know, that's the power of properties, the leverage. That's that's why it's such a good investment asset class for for the leverage.
1: Yep, indeed, yeah. So uh, there are different types of refurbishment. Um, so uh, you might off, often hear the term light refurb. Um, so, what, what would you class a light refurb? I, I like buff and fluff. That's,
0: <laughs> that's one of my favourites. <laughs> okay, please do carry on defining. <laughs> I'm still talking about property, just to be really clear. I'm talking property. So, light refurb for me, and I'm sure you know it's a little, a little subjective. But light refurb for me would simply mean, and when I talk about buff and fluff, it's really painting the walls, tidying up. Really, any areas, usually communal spaces, sometimes carpets make such a big difference. And oh, yeah, definitely. in my world, is lower cost. So typically, you know, light painting, just tidying up, possibly a new kitchen, maybe just kitchen doors, mm-hmm. you know, maybe looking at bathrooms. I mean, you know, then we start getting a little bit heavier. But the light refurb would just be, for me, that's just standard, you know, if we're talking vanilla let, you're talking that's the magnolia wall approach you know where we just go and give everything a lick of paint tidy up so it just looks feels fresh and and is ready to go
1: yep indeed yeah and i think once you start replacing bathrooms in and kitchens i think you're you're, that's sort of right at the edge of
0: what i class as a light refurb it's borderline isn't Uh, it yeah i was actually thinking about replacing the doors so sometimes hmm. that's a cheap option Yep. If the casings of the, the the kitchen is good, we can just replace doors. That's quite nice. But yeah, I, I'd completely agree. I think if we start talking then about ripping out kitchens and particularly bathrooms, where we're talking about waste and so on, then we're probably moving into medium refurb. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. So then, right at the other end of of the refurb scale, um, there, there's a term called back to brick. Um, so this is is where you uh, pretty much gut a property and start again from scratch. Mm. Um, and uh, and this might involve moving walls as well, um, but but not necessarily. It could just be uh, be really stripping everything out of the property and, and starting again. Um, have, have you uh, you got any experience of, of that level of refurb? This this is, this is not a level that
0: I've I've tried yet. Okay. I was just thinking. I mean, I, back to brick. Yeah, we looked at um, we, we have stripped something out, so it was an empty, basically an empty carcass. Mm. And looked at an extension. Um, another story for another day, I must remember, was the planning process that we went through. In the end, we just went for a refurb, which was just taking everything out. I'm just going to add on to this as well with what we're talking about. You know, when you go back to brick, you can then think about something we haven't put on there is strategies around sort of commercial developments to residential Oh yeah,
1: that's a whole new list of terms. <laughs> yeah,
0: but in terms of the back to brick, that's what people do. They'll take, say, an office, and you know, rip everything out, literally go back to brick, and then they'll convert that into a residential, whatever house, apartments, yeah. so on and so forth.
1: Yeah. So, um, so that the last last term on our list um, is a bit of a uh, misnomer, really. So it's. Uh, no money down mm. or no money left in.
0: Right, I, so. I'm the, I I would actually like to get your view on this first <laughs> for the audience because I know where obviously I know where I stand. I'd be a bit of a yeah, schizophrenic if I didn't. So yeah, share with us, Simon. What's no money down? So so what is it? Okay, so the the principle <laughs> is
1: that you 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 buy a property sufficiently below market value. That you can then uh, do up, improve, refurb, what have you. Um, That you can then refinance it, such that your your new refinance gives you back all of the money that you put back in, that you initially put into that property. Um, I don't think these deals really exist, Um, or at least not without significant effort to find
0: them. But in that scenario, who's putting the money in to buy that property? uh what do you mean in the in, scenario you've just given so initially buy, yeah
1: um anybody who wants to buy a property and but that's their money so that's not it. yeah yeah i mean of, of course you uh, you uh, I, I in the simplest term yes somebody is coming along to to do such a, a deal like this they bring along their own money but of course there are lots of other options you can um you can uh, get finance from uh, investors or or joint venture partners or and that's, all what, all I sorts of different that's what I think that's what I think people that. are
0: talking about i think it's none of their own money down
1: ah you think so so do so you think you, you can have money in um but it's just as long as it's not yours yeah ah, okay
0: well i think from what i've seen in the property education yeah. circles i yeah, think yeah i i could go with that yeah that's what i believe and what's your view on that? Well, you would just start to share with us. Um, I, I don't know I have any more views on
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it, th- that approach, so the, the idea of um, using somebody else's money to, uh, to run a property deal, um, I think is, uh, is perfectly okay as long as all parties are going into it with their eyes fully open. Um, and I think it's a, a very bad idea for um, someone who is new to property investment. Mm. Um, either whether you're the person putting in the money um, or the person who's who's sort of running the deal. Mm. If you're new to property investment, I think it's a bad idea. Um, but once you've got experience um, and you can you can point to examples where you've you've had success, then as long as you've got your eyes open, uh, I think that's fine.
0: I think it's a really good point, and. Obviously, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I say obviously, but I, I do, because I think I think when people talk about no money down, there is a misnomer that there isn't money down, except for, I think for the really experienced people that I'm aware of, people that have been in the industry for, I would say, 10, 15 years plus, there are options, quite literally, as, as well as you know, hypothetically, in terms of lease options, purchase options, where you can create agreements where you get the option to purchase a property but for the sake of a contract you have to put a pound down so let's just say that that's no money so I don't disbelieve that there are opportunities out there but for the new and uninitiated I think they'd be very hard to get a hold of and, and make use of because you wouldn't have the experience to create those opportunities where I think... A lot of the what I've seen in the past is you know, people propound the the, the NMD, we're going for the acronyms, the no money down approach. Is it's fine, you know, if if you find a property, let's fight you find your hundred thousand pound property, you go and get that money from an investor either to purchase the whole thing or deposit exactly as you say. My frustration is that there is all there is money down. It's not a no money down strategy. There is money involved. It might not be your money, but what is the cost to you then if it's not your money? And I think it just really further exacerbates your point. Because So my experience, and I, I do have experience of this in terms of you know, I have used other people's money. I could argue that I've probably done a few no money down deals if I wanted to, but they weren't no money down deals because there is always... And a value equation to be had. If someone gives me money, spookily enough, they want something in return. <laughs> and that's usually a bit more money than they've given me. Yep. <laughs> so there might be no money down deals, but without going to on this podcast, they might want equity. They might want interest. They might want all of the above. Yep. So hopefully a bit clearer. There are no money deals and there are definitely strategies. I wouldn't argue against the fact that you could... If you are really knowledgeable, get a property arranged where there's a good deal. And you know, you've you talked about it, you know, in the past, you know, what they were called, what the um, instant mortgages or super quick mortgages, where uh, self-certified mortgages, se- well, self-certified and, and or, um, um, express express mortgages, yeah. where you could literally go visit a property, agree a purchase price of 150, if you've done your job. Actually, the property is worth 200 grand. Then, 20, Within 24 hours, you've got the revaluation. You're getting a mortgage on the, the greater value. That's no money down. Yeah, that, that's, that's the sort of uh,
1: rich dad, poor dad uh, um, yeah, uh, approach to property investment, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and
0: 2008 happened. You know, the crash happened. Yeah. And, yeah, we spoke about this on the recent podcast. I won't go any more. So, yeah, no money down.
1: Yeah. Um, and we've reached the end of our terms. Um, So, should we finish this one up here then?
0: Yeah, unless you want me to get back up on the No Money Down Soapbox. (laughs) No, uh, (laughs) I think we'll finish it here. (laughs) Cheers. So, uh,
1: show notes can be found at thebusinessofproperty.com.